Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to Digital Voices. Ed Marks here. Really excited about our guest today, longtime friend and industry luminary, Ed Kapetsky. Welcome, Ed. Oh, thanks, Ed. Good to see you again. And, yeah. uh, it's great having you. We're going to jump right in and we're going to talk about adaptive leadership. And so, Sydney, I thought first I just would love to hear from you. Like, who is a leader? When you think about leadership, who do you think about and who do you admire and why? Well, to be honest, the first person that comes to mind is you, Ed, only because when I first joined here at HCI Tech Mahindra, you were very welcoming from the very first time that I met you. And being able to do this podcast with you, I have not only learned a lot about you, but also that the way that you keep in contact with everybody that comes into your life, that they're so willing to come onto your podcast and are like genuinely excited about it. It, it makes me respect you because I can tell how genuine you are with all of your relationships that you make. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind. And that being the case, you're going to love my friend Ed even more because he's all those things plus. And so, yeah, let's just jump right to it. So I recall, Ed, the first time we met, well, I met you, you didn't meet me. So, and I know you know the story, but just for our audience, I was in Colorado at Parkview Episcopal Medical Center in Pueblo, Colorado. My boss, the CIO, Mike Gogola, took me up. He was a really good mentor to raise me up. And so he's like, come with me. We're going to go to Denver. And there's a Hymns, Colorado Hymns chapter, and they have great speakers. And I went in there, and you were the keynote that day. It was like during the lunchtime keynote, you were the CIO. Think of Centura at the time. And I was so uh, starstruck. I was like, I want to be like Ed. And I remember I, I'm gonna, I have to meet this person. And I even remember your topic. And so this was so many years ago. The fact that I remember your topic, that tells you everything you need to know. So, so I went out in the lobby because I had heard that you would be leaving right after your talk. So I went in the lobby and I was like, I'm going to just, you know, as soon as this man comes out, I'm going to introduce myself, put my hand out there, shake his hand. And you came out. And I was so nervous. I couldn't even do it. I was like... Uh, <laughs> couldn't do it. it was, but I was, I was struck by you. And then, so I started following you and learning about you and the different things you were doing. So you've been a mentor of mine for a long time. And then we finally, you know, I grew in my career and we finally became a CIO. We connected at the CIO level, but you were still always someone that I look up to and aspire to. And I think people will really understand why as we uh, jump into our chat, uh, you're an amazing uh, man and and I know uh, all parts of your life. You're you're just an amazing individual. So thanks for being on our show. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me. So we have and, two, yeah, yeah we have two standard questions, but I'm actually going to deviate on the first one. So, what is your favorite thing to do? You know, recreation wise, what what do you like to do for downtime when you're not at work? Um. You know, I, I really love being outdoors, and um, I think the thing that really got me through COVID was golf courses were open, and we I really love playing golf. I do it once or twice a week when I can, and uh, 
it's about being outside with other people for four hours. You're, you, you know, it's a lot of fun to compete a little bit, but it's good fun and getting to know people. Um, I think other than that, biking and uh, hiking and those kind of things outdoors. Uh, got a Peloton for uh, the holidays, so I'm trying to use that more now. But, you know, just keeping healthy yeah. is, is what we're doing. No, that that's awesome. I think that's, you know, one thing leaders do is they make sure they stay healthy and work out and, you know, get time away from work. What about your, is there a life message or mantra or, you know, sort of a, something you're super passionate about that drives you? Oh, um, it's interesting. I've had, uh, back at Centura when I left, they gave me this little clock that I still have here. And when you ask the question, it's sitting here. It says on there in times of uncertainty, lead. And uh, I think that's a really good one. Uh, it stuck with me. We've certainly been through a lot of change in, uh, you know, my career and our lifetime, certainly more accelerated the last couple of years. But I think the other thing I'd say, just, you know, having grown up in the Midwest and, uh, you know, always be true to your word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very good words to live by. Two things. Good words to live by. So, Ed, you have an amazing uh, career and you've been both on the provider side as well as sort of consulting side. Can you tell us your story? And you can go anywhere you want with this, personal, professional, a mix of both. But tell us a little bit about how you became the leader that you are today. Uh, Well, uh, experience and learning from it, for one thing. Um, But, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm uh, third of four children, and I went to University of Wisconsin, uh, graduated from there in industrial and systems engineering. Um, You know, I think um, career-wise, you know, I did a few changes and significant ones. I started in the VA, and we developed, I was at at the regional level when I was 28 years old running uh, sixth of the VA for development of their software at the time. And, you know, went to Sharp, San Diego. We put together the first major integrated delivery system in the country and uh, had a chance to come to Centura and merge the largest cell system in Colorado in a couple of years. So, um, you know, then the HealthLink IBM thing was a great break from CIO role, but I, I got the service and and uh, so many clients, so many across the country as well, and uh, came out here about 13 years ago. And, you know, I thought, hey, I'll just take it easy now, go to a children's hospital. <laughs> it's been nothing but, uh, you know, incredible innovation and growth and expansion. And somehow, wherever I go, I have found these growth curves. And uh, it's, it's really been a good ride. Uh, seriously, I think... Um, personally, I think, um, you know, I, people say, why did you choose healthcare? And I look back in my history. Well, I got exposed to healthcare very early in my life. My father was ill and, uh, he ended up dying of kidney disease at, when I was 13, uh, he was only 42. And for a couple of years, we got to experience in that. And then, and then I worked in a hospital kitchen throughout high school. When I was 16, I got a job in the kitchen and worked through there. And 
I was like, wow, I'm exposed to healthcare. And I go to Wisconsin and in the, uh, was going to major in industrial and systems engineering. And they were one of the two or three universities that had a health systems engineering program. And the rest is history. I, I did a double master's in uh, industrial engineering and, and uh, healthcare and came out uh, wanting to improve healthcare. I think that was a core goal of mine, um, something I could latch on to. <laughs> and also just something novel at the time. I mean, uh, you, you may not remember Vietnam, but I was the last class drafted, and we were growing up in a time of conflict uh, that was real, real, and turmoil in the country. So healthcare just seemed like a great thing for me to uh, uh, enter and, and contribute to, and, and I knew we'd always have needs for healthcare and growing it. So that, that's how I got here. Wow. No, I, I didn't realize some of that story, and it all makes sense as I put all the pieces together about who you are as a, as a man, as a person, and as a leader. And I can testify to the amazing things that you've done, and it'll probably come out in the conversations. But I visited you one time. You were gracious enough to host me maybe three years ago. It was pre-COVID. And I, and I already knew the great things you were doing because I've had the opportunity to meet some of your direct reports prior to that. And so I already heard all the stories and knew. And, but when I went there, I was like just amazed and, and the culture that you've created. And I know that's going to be the focus of, of some of our questions here. It's really, I think uh, your term for it is adaptive leadership. Can you sort of expand on what that uh, entails, adaptive leadership? Um, you know, it's a pretty broad term, but fundamentally um, helping lead through periods of change, mergers, acquisitions, you know, um, you know, company sales, uh, pandemics. And I think kind of the thing you learn uh, is that you can't do it alone. You cannot be the expert. Uh, it's about engaging others. It's about making sure you know what the issues are, but, and, and going out and finding them, you know, don't, you don't see them from your office. And you got to build networks of people. But at the end of the day, it's engaging and synergizing a lot of experts. And I think we've done it really well in healthcare by our partnership with clinicians, frontline nurses, the business leaders. And really, we're in the forefront of digital transformation now. Uh, the enterprise solutions have been laid. Those was major heavy uplifts. But we're now optimizing and growing and all that, but there's no way I could do that as a CIO without a CMIO partner, associate CIO. I mean, the team is everything. And I learned that everywhere I went and I, I saw it in different ways. You know, we were uh, growing health link. We went from 10 to a hundred million dollars in five years. And uh, you just, it's all about the team and yeah. it's all about leadership that you're, you're together. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things here, um, I've run it as a partnership. It's part of what I learned, uh, through the change in consulting and other things, but we make decisions together. I think when you visited, we were showing you our, our vis walls, which yeah. is, you know, uh, we all have one and we get seven minutes we go through it an hour each week, and it's exception reporting. 
and it, it's transparency. And you, and it went from the seven of us to 40 people show up. Now all the leadership of the department management and, um, it's, it's a way to build trust and transparency. It's also a way to demonstrate your quality leadership. You know, you ask questions, you let others answer it, and they're going to know. I mean, I'm not going to have the answers on everything. My issue is, are we engaging everyone? And I think we've perfected that. I mean, I wouldn't say perfected. I think we've advanced it a lot. And um, really, it's been a great thing. And we... And just in this department, we have national leaders in every discipline they're in, and uh, seven or eight graduates of Chime uh, CIO boot camp. It's just great to know people now. You know they know what we're dealing with more because they're involved completely in the decision. Yeah. Now those are great examples on adaptive leadership and some of the results that you've seen, and that rolls right into team. And I know you you do a lot with your team to create a certain type of culture and, and, you know, adaptive leaders work with teams in a certain way, like you were describing. Can you tell us a story about, you know, something that happened as a result of your team coming together? Cause I know you've done some great things. I, w- I would love to have you share, you know, one or two of these things that you've done as a result of this leadership and the team building. And then I want to get to, I'll ask you again later, cause I don't want to uh, cloud your mind with too many questions as you answer the first one. But I know you have some really impressive statistics too around the team. So I'll come back to that after you give us yeah. one or two examples. Well, I, I think um, I'll just, I mean, in our case here, uh, real examples of um, team leverage was you know, a great one was when COVID hit. Our CMIO, we just went into action. And stuff happened that all we did was try to keep each other community. I mean, nobody was making decisions. People were making decisions on the front line. And, um, you know, for example, we scaled telehealth 40X in two weeks. We went from 20 to 800 visits and, you know, all that. People just engaged and they knew they had the support to do so. And... We each trusted each other. We check in once in a while, but I think that those those are some great examples. And I think when you like think of results um, in the business side, I mean we we've achieved you know him seven on EMR within a year of implementing on now analytics. Uh, Dr. Pageler was recognized as the leading uh, MD IT leader in the industry last year by Amdis and Hems, and I'm just it you you find the multipliers and just um i think on a personal story i'll just flip to that speaking of you know um we had the experience as a family of our son suffering opiate addiction and uh in, after four years of recovery uh passing away from an overdose and uh and um you know i had people around at Afterwards, people like Russ Pranzel and Ivo, friends, Jim Turnbull, etc. Yeah. And just in a word of exacerbation, I said, I sure hope something good can come from this. And a day later, they called me and said, hey, we talked. Uh, let's start the opioid task force. Wow. And I went, oh, God, I got to have, give me a day to think about it, right? <laughs> but, um, 
you know, all that spawned out of, uh, you know, tragedy in that case, but a, a need for change. And we took up this cause. Um, <laughs> you know, I called him back. I told Jim and I said, you know, let's do it. Um, how can I help? And he goes, well, you're chairing it. I do things together. Guess what? You're co-chairing it. So, and, and you know, ever since then, even after he left, we got Patty and Bruce and Susan and, you know, Dave Lair and others. And we've just grown something really great. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's a mission that found me. And it it fits me. Uh, you know, I I want to contribute and improve. And I, I certainly can share a lot of wisdom. I sure learned a lot. Uh, we did as parents and my daughter. But more importantly, the crisis has gotten a lot worse since we founded this thing. And and it's really accelerating. We're doing a clinical panel, clinician panel, down at Chime and Vibe next week. We've got a golf benefit tournament. And uh, we've, we've raised another couple hundred thousand to keep funding it for the next couple of years. So uh, really proud of that, too. So there, there's another story of team, but it's from friends and, and yeah. people like yourself in the industry who said, hey, let's let's get on it. And I guess they put trust in me that I, I <laughs> but uh, no, I'm honored to be part of that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great example, because you're right. It's more about just what we do at work, but the leadership and the teamwork obviously expands to all areas of our life. That's what's so great about the investments that we make in people and ourselves is that it benefits your entire life, not just, you know, the work environment. And yeah, we want to have you back. We want to talk more specifically about the, your journey and, and what you went through as a family and how you responded and the opioid task force and what we all can do and how people can get involved uh, in our listening community and help support this. Because I don't know of anyone anymore sadly to say that that doesn't know someone who has lost their life or family, uh, you know, relationship. So uh, definitely something we need to talk about more and more. So let's talk about emerging leadership because, you know, a lot of our listeners are our CDOs, chief digital officers across health and life sciences and CIOs, but there's also a growing population of people who are younger in their career ed. So when you think about, that that maybe there's some people out there that aren't managers yet, uh, but they're definitely interested in leadership in the future, becoming managers, directors, and then you know leading you know hospitals and health systems like we have. What are some pieces of advice that you might give? I think um, you know I benefited from needing other people. You know, at the end of the day, and I learned. Um, that networking is lifelong and extremely valuable. And so I, you know, I've advised students coming out of college, you know, build your network and you will gain knowledge and wisdom and their knowledge as it evolves and a support group that you can bounce ideas off of and stay at the, you know, stay at the edge and, and, with that, invite them to be advisors. I mean, I'm surrounded by advisors, and that's about um, asking for help and looking for help and helping others. It, what goes around comes around. Yeah. And 
I think you know you and I know but uh you help others they're always going to help you and it's that's great part of this industry on the healthcare side we really are a lot more people based and uh, a lot more sharing based a lot more I mean chime was founded on that whole thing about growing the profession as well as bringing the vendor partners closer and building tighter partnerships so trusted relationships to me are the key to uh, success on every level in life and certainly in business and um you know i, I think you uh th- i think that's a real key issue I, um, I think too often school trains you in skills and talents and you to execute and yeah those are all good things but i think the broader problems that we're going to deal with are, are much more multidisciplinary, multi-dimensional than so we all bring something to the table and so you know, work in teams and get feedback. I think, um, you know, as I went through various changes and had coaches and advisors, I grew my emotional quotient. And I think that's so critical, Ed, and and that we do that. It's not how you see it. It's how others see you. Right, yes. And, you know, are you someone they're going to trust? Right? Yes, at the end of the day, and, and um, sometimes we don't see ourselves correctly. I mean, I went through that changing from a very fast-paced health system in California to two faith-based organizations merging, and it was a completely different culture. And so that's what I mean about broadening your network. Yeah, uh, yeah there's gold right there. There is uh, just taking copious notes because I'm always learning from – like Sydney talked about, we kind of learn from our guests and one another, and there's some profound wisdom there. And and two things you didn't say, Ed, but it, they just come out naturally and jump out. I just highlight for those you know who are interested in growing, and that is the humility. So you're a very humble person to say, "Well, I don't know everything. I need help. You know, I got to reach out to other people." You know, you, you're you're very clear about doing that you're not it's nothing to be ashamed of it's actually a sign of strength and then transparency so it's about authenticity and you're a very authentic person like you know the things that you already shared just on our podcast very intimate things but but you know that it's helpful for others it's helpful for yourself and it just helps bring healing to a lot a lot of people so thank you for for sharing so i'll just tack on to that ed i had actually written that down and you know, if you're humble, you learn. And if you're vulnerable, others help you and engage. And um, you don't need to be the expert on top. People, you know, you, you need to be the the best champion and the best partner and the best enabler for others. Yes. Yeah, very well put. So if you were restarting, Ed, you know, your career... Is there anything that you might have done differently or approached differently? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it in what were my big lessons learned. And, uh, you know, way back at Sharp, the first major implementation, we were putting in a common system to integrate the system. It was our big first go live, and I was very young. And yet, um, anyway, we drove it and succeeded but when i talked to the staff afterwards they 
they said something to me that, you know, startled me. He said, all you cared about was the date. And, yeah, ouch. <laughs> you know, Bill Spooner and I were the leaders of this. <laughs> Together we were working, and I didn't see that. And I never did that again. Mm. I, as hard as it hit, I was so sensitive to their concern that I realized we compromised them. Yeah. And I never have done that again. I, I've called off dual eyes when people weren't admitting the issues, and, I, uh, and we've recovered them because of that. Uh, to the original dates when everything got transparent, yeah. real, and we were all on a team. You know, and so um, through all that, I realized and learned over the years, people don't like delivering bad news. Yes. And you've got you've to gotta build the trust for them to tell you. Yeah. And mm. that's the bottom line. And if you don't have that, you're at risk. Yeah, you're you're operating on the fringe because I I like I said I no longer make hardly any decision. It's our our team. We share it. We talk. What's what's the different angles on it from the clinician side, and we make decisions jointly. And I do it with IS Exec Committee, my governance, etc. So I think that was a great lesson um, and one of the strong ones. And I think the other thing I'd say, I guess I'd add two more things. Um, Culture's king, mm. and every culture is different. Yes, every organization you go in, there's the, there's culture changes, and you've got to leverage that culture. You can't be different, you know. Right. And, and that's that's a big issue. And you know, I've learned that so much through my couple of moves, but also the nine years with Healthling and IBM consulting and serving clients across the country. And then I think finally, uh, and. and I'd advise every leader, make sure you got emotional intelligence. Make sure you promote and have it because, you know, you're such a change leader, it's going to come out of influence not being correct. And it's much better to, to have that participative and collaborative decision-making and making sure we're all, you know, really inclusive and, and, and transparent on the issues so we can you know, work it together. Yeah, that's good stuff. Wow, Ed, there, Ed I, I could talk for hours uh, with you because I always learn so much. And I know our audience really appreciates. We covered quite a bit of ground. Like I said, I, I'd love to have you back talking more about uh, your journey, your family's journey, and uh, what we all can do as, as friends and industry. And then we talked a lot about adaptive leadership and teamwork and then just qualities that people early in their careers should really think about. Developing. Is there anything that we missed or any final word that you might have before we uh, end our time together? No, I think we've covered it. I want to say thank you so much for uh, you know listening, and I'm glad to share things that I think it's very helpful for other people. But um, I guess two takeaways. Everyone looks up. Don't ever forget that. You, you lead by example, and they don't believe words if they don't see it in behavior mm. and you know finally as a leader you get it gets lonely and so make sure you take care of yourself uh take care of your family take care of your friends uh and you know stuff like that because 
these are high pressure jobs and look what we've been through the last few years i mean nobody planned any of that and there's been a lot of you know things emerged throughout all that too so we've got to stay healthy stay adaptive and uh stay together yeah love it thank you so much i don't think there's words you know sometimes i try to think of something to sum it up but i think you've you've, you've summed it up beautifully yourself so there's no words that are required on my behalf except just to say thank you again, Ed, for sharing from your heart, from your experience. You, you're you're one of a kind. Uh, I, I love you. And, you know, I look forward to having you back again and seeing you at, at Vive and, and at Hims. Great. Hey, well, thanks very much, Ed and Sydney. Just great to talk to you. All right. That concludes another episode of Digital Voices. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.